Today's episode of the Roger Hoover Podcast is available on iTunes. Just hit subscribe and please rate and review. Also, the podcast available every time on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, and also the Roger Hoover Podcast is proud to be part of the River City Rogue Podcast Network for the best local blogs, vlogs, and podcasts on sports culture and entertainment. Head to RiverCityRogue.com. Bold views from the bold city and beyond. everybody, this is Roger Hoover, and welcome to this episode of the Roger Hoover Podcast. I'm recording this on Friday, September 23rd, 2016, from the Tuscaloosa, Alabama studios of our podcast, and we are getting set for the Florida-Tennessee matchup coming up tomorrow in Knoxville at Neyland Stadium, and coming up on this episode of the podcast, I'll talk with Stuart Weber, one of my good friends in Jacksonville, who of course works for Action Sports Jacks as a weekend anchor and reporter there. He's also the radio voice of the Jacksonville Armada FC, but uh, looking forward to talking with Stuart, who is uh, a Gator grad, a pretty passionate Florida fan as well, so we had a pretty good back and forth on getting ready for this matchup between the Vols and the Gators. Been a busy few weeks. Uh, our last podcast was recorded just after the Jacksonville Suns season came to a close, and I've even not only made the move to Tuscaloosa uh, for the off season, but I've been back in Jacksonville for the offsite retreat for the Suns to talk about the last season for a couple of days. Had a really fun time at Everbank Field for that event in Shad Khan's suite. So thank you to Shad Khan, the Jaguars owner, and also thanks to the Jacksonville Jaguars for their hospitality in letting the Suns uh, really enjoy what he gets to enjoy each and every Sunday the Jags are at home. Busy as well in Tuscaloosa. I've already had two SEC Network broadcasts, did a SEC Network Plus volleyball game last Saturday, uh, fun to team up with Natalie Ledford for Alabama's sweep of Georgia Southern, and then last night got back into soccer play-by-play for the first time in a while as Alabama fell 2-1 to to a very good Arkansas team. The Razorbacks are ranked 15th in the country off to their program's best start. So uh, that's a lot of fun uh, to get back into the SEC Network flow of things, and we'll have some cool things coming up with the Crimson Tide Sports Network uh, starting next weekend. I can't really give too many more details than that, but uh, things are going really well here in Tuscaloosa. But I'm now getting ready to head to Knoxville, Tennessee for the weekend. I'm free tomorrow, no work, so I'm going to go to Knoxville to watch Tennessee play Florida. Uh, At the time I'm recording this, I still do not have tickets, but I'm hoping to go with my dad, who I went with to the 1998 Tennessee-Florida game where the Vols snapped a long losing streak uh, in that contest and really got the monkey off Coach Fulmer's back against Steve Spurrier, and that, of course, led to the 1998 National Championship that the Vols won, and I feel like that Florida game really meant everything. And if you talk to people who were there, it certainly is still one of the most memorable Tennessee football games of all time. The last time that fans rushed the field, first overtime game in Tennessee history, the Vols won 20-17, to Jeff Hall with the game-winning field goal in overtime, and then Collins Cooper missed the field goal for Florida. 
Uh, I also went to the 2004 Tennessee-Florida game that uh, you'll hear me talk about with Stuart Weber coming up in a little bit, but uh, that was the last time Tennessee won. It's been 11 games in the series since Tennessee last had a victory. 2004, I was a high school junior at Dobbins Bennett. Uh, I'd always loved sports, and it really always... Uh, I, I love Tennessee football, of course, but there had been some years uh, in the Fulmer era, to be honest, where uh, I wasn't always the biggest fan of Tennessee. Uh, some of those Casey Clawson teams were really hard for me to like, and you know, I, I don't know why it was, but a lot of times in Kingsport, it wasn't cool to be a Tennessee fan, which doesn't make any sense, but that's how it was for several years. But 2004, I was really starting to get really back into the Vols. I was really starting to think more that I would head to Tennessee as a student. And that game got to go with Ryan Bliss. His dad, Ron Bliss, was uh, just starting at that point. TriCitySports.com, a website that is still running uh, now under the direction of Steve Wilmoth. But we had seats in the uh, upper deck for that game. Uh, Stayed up there the first three quarters with Brent Schaefer and Eric Ainge playing well. And then we were... We went down to the field to meet his dad uh, to hopefully get in the press conference afterwards. And uh, there used to be a little bleacher section right up against the uh, fence that was before the hedges uh, on the sidelines, the hedges they used to have uh, at Neyland Stadium. And so I was right there in that end zone where just the side of that end zone where James Wilhoyt hit the uh, 50-yarder to win the game after he'd missed an extra point. Uh, about as dramatic a game as I've been to, and then after the game, got to go to all the press conferences and see the balls, players, up co- coaches really up close, then got to be in the press box while Ron Bliss filed his story, and uh, it was one of the first times I can really remember being like, wow, the, this actually is how the media business works in sports, and uh, that night made a real lasting impression on me. I think it kind of fueled what I wanted at least my college years to look like, uh, getting to go to school at Tennessee and also getting to be part of the media scene in Knoxville, which I certainly got to do and uh, been working in sports broadcasting ever since. So that to me was a real transformative night, and it's just crazy that Tennessee has not won a game in the series since then. Uh, When I was a student, they never beat Florida, and they haven't won since um, 2004. So... It's a big game coming up tomorrow, and uh, Stuart and I will get into uh, some of our memories from the series and also talk about what we expect to see tomorrow. So that's coming up. Again, glad to have Stuart Weber join us on this episode of the Roger Hoover Podcast. Joined now by Stuart Weber. Of course, you know his work on Action Sports Jacks and also the radio voice of the Jacksonville Armada FC. But uh, Stuart also went to the University of Florida, so he can provide a fun perspective for this game that we have coming up between Tennessee and Florida. And first of all, Stuart, where were you in 2004, the last time that Tennessee defeated Florida? Well, I would have been, let's see, 2004, that would have been my sophomore season. Uh, I say season, despite me not having been an athlete there. I always said the same thing when I was at Tennessee. It was like, I had a really solid sophomore year, really solid junior year. Senior year was in and out, but I still graduated. 
That's right. Uh, I would have uh, been at some some party, probably disappointed at the end of it because it was a game in uh, Tennessee, obviously. So we didn't we didn't make it all the way up to Knoxville for that one. I did go my senior year, however. If you want to talk about that one in a little bit, yeah, we can get to that uh, eventually. Uh, I was a high school junior the last time that Tennessee defeated Florida, and uh, my friend, his dad, had a sports website, so he was covering the game, and we started with. Tickets in the upper deck, and then eventually in the fourth quarter went down to field level when there used to be these bleacher sections just right up against the uh, sideline fence, and you could just stand there and watch the game, and that was in the end zone where Will Hoyt kicked a field goal, and it was incredible, and then uh, after the game, his dad was able to get us into the press conference, and uh, you just had the feeling that Tennessee was going to go, that was their second win in a row, and I mean, it felt like Tennessee that night with... Eric Ainge, Brent Schaefer, how well they played. It felt like it could be an 11-year streak from for the Vols, but uh, things change rather quickly the next season. I was going to say, I really hope you, you held on to that memory pretty well because uh, <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's the last one. Well, for, it helped get me into now. sports uh, because you know I had never been to like a big press conference or anything like that, and uh, I, even hanging out in the press box after the game while his dad did some work, like I was... I was fired up by all of it, and it kind of made me realize I could work in sports media of some kind, but uh, little did I know, I wouldn't see a Tennessee victory since then. A twinkle in the eye of a young Roger Hoover as he <laughs> learned the way of the art of media coverage. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, uh, you said you were a sophomore at the time when Tennessee won last. Uh, did you grow up a Florida fan? Uh, funny enough, I did not, actually. Okay. I, uh, I grew up as a Florida State fan uh, for one reason and one reason only, and that's because my sister was a fan of the Gators. Oh, okay. So just to antagonize her. Basically, yeah. <laughs> uh, essentially, uh, my, I didn't grow up in a, in a sports-loving family. Um, not, I mean, my mom's from overseas. She's really big into field hockey, uh, which is not a thing here at all. No. Uh, so, uh, and, and my stepdad likes uh, NASCAR and the Braves, so I mean, I, I picked up on both of those, but for the most part, uh, no, no real big football affiliations in, in any sort of way. The first game I ever went to was a Florida State game against uh, uh, NC State at the Doak, and they won by like 60, um, and that was just a family friend asking if I wanted to go, and, and so I was kind of like, all right, I guess I'll like Florida State, but then I got into the better academic university at University of Florida. And I wasn't going to be that guy, that guy who goes to one school and says, no, 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 I'm a, I'm a fan of the other school. No, I wasn't going to be that guy. So I went, uh, I went all in on the Gators once I arrived on campus back in 2003. Actually, that would be, yeah, 2003. People say that, right? 2003? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Usually the 2000s I usually reserve for 2004, but I do, 2010 was the first one I really started doing that. Sure. That's good. Whatever. That's good work. So you kind of came into Florida late, and so you didn't really get to enjoy the Spurrier years. I mean, you no, 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 no. I came, I came entirely post Spurrier. I, I arrived right in the midst of the Zucker area. Uh, me and the, me and the Zucker for two <laughs> years. Those, uh, coincidentally, the two years that Tennessee won when I was in school. Yeah, uh, it's actually not a coincidence at all. So I assume you're there for the uh, Casey Clawson Hail Mary. Uh Oh boy! Like, yeah, 
you're just going to bring up all these these old old memories. I I want to think about some of the more recent memories. Who? Come on. Hey, we'll we'll get there. We'll get to podcasts. We have unlimited time. This isn't uh, you know action sports jacks where it's got to be twenty seconds or less. That's right. We. <laughs> We put a lot of a lot of sports in there for you. You do. You guys do an outstanding job. So one of my questions from that is then, how as a Florida fan, kind of you know learning all the different traditions and rivalries, how did you view Tennessee at that time? And even going into today, is Tennessee still a relevant rival for Florida? Because you know Tennessee fans, it's Alabama and Florida. Those are the two biggest games of the year, and. A lot of younger fans say the Florida game is the biggest of the year, but as a Gator, how do you view the Vols? I'd put them uh, third, maybe fourth on my pecking order, to be honest with you. Uh, Just because I grew up with uh, Georgia and Florida State are my one and two, probably Florida State one, Georgia two. And then because I grew up in South Florida, I probably put Miami ahead of Tennessee when it comes to football rivalries for me personally, uh, just because of the fact that I did jump in late and, and we haven't really gone back and forth as much during my time as a Gator fan. Uh, whereas, you know, growing up in South Florida, I just hate Miami people. So uh, I put that, I put that one pretty high in my, my listing. That makes sense. And, you know, and that's, that's one of the things that kind of makes it tough for Tennessee fans to hear that. It's just all this effort and intensity going into the Florida game. But, you know, for Florida fans, beating Georgia, beating FSU, that's really more important. And the funny thing is, we, we've talked about this before. Uh, when I think Tennessee is a rivalry for the Gators, I think basketball. Uh, even more so than I think Kentucky. Which I know in more recent years, Kentucky's become the better team. Mm-hmm. So that's been a bigger rivalry. But back when we were winning the back-to-back national championships, Tennessee was our, our main arch nemesis back then, as you know, of course. Oh, yeah, you, you joked with me that I was going to bring up basketball within the first, like, three minutes. You're the one that brought, I brought it up. brought it up for you. <laughs> Those were some really outstanding games, and uh, I love the fact that the Gators went on to win national championships after Tennessee had that regular season glory. But, uh, yeah, that was a fun part of it. Dane Bradshaw, uh, C.J. Watson, you know, knocking out Joe Kim Noah. Some really Who great moments. The guy with the headband. One of them wore a headband. We had a lot. Uh, Wayne Chisholm. That might have been the one. Whoever it was, one of them in the uh, in the bowels of the Stephen C. O'Connell Center insulted my shirt that I was wearing one one game. I was not happy about it. Oh, you see that? Those are the good old days. When you're talking trash to student media people, that's that's everything. It wasn't even an orange or blue shirt. It was a yellow shirt. That was unbelievable. Well, that's why probably. But I digress. Yeah. But yeah, uh, like we mentioned, the streak started in 2005, probably as ugly as a football game as I can ever remember. Yeah, back in back in 2005, a 16-7 victory for the Gators. It actually started off a, uh, a streak of six straight games where the Gators were ranked in the top ten when they beat Tennessee. Uh, so it hasn't it hasn't always been where they've had this you know this bad Florida team just somehow pulling it out against Tennessee like like we have in more recent years. Uh, back then, you're talking about the glory days, the uh, the Urban Meyer heyday when they really started to get it going, and that, that would be uh, old Herb's first year as he never lost to Tennessee. Never lost to Tennessee, and then the next year back in Knoxville, a game you said you got to go to. Uh, what would you think of the atmosphere and seeing Neyland Stadium for the first time? Yeah, that was my first time seeing it. Obviously, the uh, the stadium is definitely something impressive. It's 
it, it's amazing just just looking at it the uh, the constructor set from the outside. You know, it's just it, it really interesting. And then once you get in there, it's pretty cool. Couple couple things stand out to me from the experience. I did not like shooting there uh, because we had to be on our knees for it because the seats were so low in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was awful. Um, and I, I, I'm no, I don't mean this as a jab in any sort of way, but it wasn't as loud as I expected it to be. And, and later on, I heard from some people, it's uh, largely because of the fact that it's so many alumni in there and not as many students. Uh, but for that many people, I was kind of expecting it to be, I don't know, louder, maybe more on top of you, or uh, maybe it was something with the acoustics that uh, just didn't quite deliver that for me. Yeah, I could see that, and uh, you know, this, I, that was actually the I was my freshman season, and that was really the only game uh, that I was in the student section. Everyone else, I worked in either on the in the press box or on the sidelines, and yeah, I mean, it wasn't the loudest game I've ever been to, but uh, of course, the Gators get the win, and that was really the night where Tim Tebow. Uh, the legend really started there, and I know Florida fans, they'll talk about Tebow on fourth down more than anything else from that game. Yeah, that, you could say the legend of Tebow started, but the legend of running back Tim Tebow started in that game. He he was a gimmick. He was not a quarterback when he played in that game. He he only ran he ran the ball seven times. All seven times he was successful and, and did what he had to do, but uh, Chris Leak was still our game manager at the time and, you know, hits Dallas Baker, the touchdown maker for the uh, – the big score in that one. But yeah, Tebow, Tebow's name started to, to pop up at that point as people learned a little bit about the young man from Northeast Florida. And no doubt in the next year that only continued a blowout win for the Gators in Gainesville, even though he got uh, what, picked off by Eric Berry and then a couple years later in Gainesville he'd get rocked by Eric Berry. And I believe even Cam Newton played in the 07 game in garbage he time. He threw a touchdown in that one. Yeah. I mean that, and Tennessee won the East that year. By the way, can we talk about the fact that two Florida quarterbacks that transferred out of Gainesville started in the NFL this week? Because that's ridiculous. It is. Jacoby Brissett for the Pats, and, and now, of course, Cam Newton will start for the Panthers. Uh, the guys who stayed behind, however, not starting in the NFL. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, but Tim Tebow is playing with the Mets. Yeah, there's that. Instructional well, league. Yeah, that's that's something. Yeah, I, I hate it when I, I I really cringe when I see the words professional debut. I mean, these yeah, are practices. Yeah, yeah. These exactly. are complete practices. But I, I was kind of hoping I was kind of hoping the Suns would pick him up and uh, or the Marlins, I should say, mm-hmm. and we'd get a, a Roger Hoover call of Tim Tebow's at bats at the baseball grounds. I mean, I'd be all for it. Uh, you know, I, I'm just I'm so tight with so many baseball people that are against it that. Uh, that's really colored how I view Tebow trying to make his baseball comeback. But I was getting really excited if the Braves signed him because uh, we haven't released the schedule yet. But uh, just spoiler alert, the Suns will open next year in Mississippi. Can you imagine all that would surround the first game for him, wherever he's going to be next year? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, though, it's minor league baseball. I mean, it'll oh, it's supposed work- to be fun. Yeah, in a league where Eddie Gadel can go out there and, you know, <laughs> and wear the number one-eighth in, in a bat. I mean, come on. How can we not get Tim Tebow out there for the, <laughs> the Northeast Florida fans here in Jacksonville? Yeah, and I mean, we saw Michael Jordan come through the Southern League on his uh, baseball comeback attempt. So, yeah, I mean, part of me is for it. Part of me is really against it. Uh, but, you know what? He's going to do it. 
Yeah, he's free to do whatever he wants. He's he, he is his own man. He can do whatever he wants and, and enjoy it. And heck, you know, you only have so many years to do these things. Do them while you can. Yeah, and I mean, and he is uh, physically way more ripped than any baseball player I've seen in the last few years. Yeah, like, his upper say, body he, strength is incredible. Yeah, he, he could probably snap that bat in half just over his <laughs> knee. I want to see some some of those some of those plays from him when he gets frustrated. Not that he'd get frustrated, he, you know. He'd set it down on the ground first, and then he'd be like, I'm sorry, Bat. I didn't mean to strike out with you. <laughs> Just my only hope is he doesn't try to fire up the team, uh, because that does not work in baseball. That's <laughs> true. It's a little different a little different atmosphere. I mean, Hunter Pence can kind of get crazy in the Giants' dugout in the playoffs, but at that point, he's really earned it. You know, those guys have seen him day in and day out as like, you have to be in baseball just one of the guys, and I really wonder if Tebow is going to be able to do that. Yeah, because if he's in single A, is is he on the same team bus with the other guys, or is he just gonna have his private jet take him to the next stop? Yeah, you know, and he's gonna be the oldest guy there. So I mean, he's really gonna have to work hard to fit in. It's tough. Yeah. I mean, they don't it's like a, me most of the time. It's a tough road ahead. It would have been an easier road if you'd have just done a fullback or a running back, and you know, and stuck with football. But such is life. Such is life, and uh, kind of as we go through a few of these years, uh, 2008, I had pretty high hopes going to that game, but uh, my oh my, they were crushed quickly, and that was after Tennessee had lost to UCLA in heartbreaking fashion, you're kind of wondering, is the momentum building for a coach firing, and uh, you know, really Alabama and South Carolina losses later that year were the Waterloo, but... Uh, that was a pretty clear indication of what direction the Gators were going in. Obviously, won the national title that year, but uh, that was a miserable afternoon, even though I did get to uh, be in a booth next to Vern Lundquist. Oh, okay. Vern, the final year for Vern. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, we all love Vern to, to some extent. <laughs> yeah, and this is going to be his last Tennessee-Florida game coming up tomorrow. That's right. That's right. Of course, you can you can watch it on CBS 47 here in Jacksonville, Florida, in case you're in the area, go ahead and tune it on, and then stay tuned for SEC tonight afterwards, as we'll bring you the the post game show. Uh, shameless plug. Uh, uh, excellent plug. Are you? Do you guys sending anybody to Knoxville, or everyone staying in Jacksonville? We, we almost did. We were we were very close to doing it. We we looked at the the prices for uh, plane tickets and all that to to check on it because you know we're TV, we fly, we don't we don't drive like like Hoover does, you know. Yeah, like uh, I just did last weekend to get back to Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did a little research on it. We thought about it. We were, we were at a very close maybe, largely because of the fact that it's on our air and we have that post game show. It it, it would have made it worth it. But uh, with the Jags going tomorrow at one or yeah. Sunday at one, uh, that would have made it rough. That would have made it rough to do that little turnaround. Yeah, I completely understand. Um, going back to some of the different years of the uh, rivalry, 09, Kiffin was there. Kiffin kind of brought some spice back to the rivalry. He called out Urban Meyer for recruiting violations. And uh, what I loved about Kiffin's one year in was Knoxville. That the moral, was that the moral victory for Tennessee that year? Uh, a little when bit. They only, when they only lost by 10. Yeah, and Tennessee, Tennessee that game, uh, Jonathan Crompton, the quarterback, had not really gone through his turnaround yet under Lane Kiffin. He had some bad games coming up after that, but Tennessee played not to win and not to lose with Kiffin that game. Yeah. Yeah, but they uh, they didn't win, but they did lose. So, but, so I yeah. guess that's how it turned out. But again, we still got another good Eric Berry highlight, just trucking Tim Tebow, and it's been in highlight films ever since. 
Well, yeah, I mean, Eric Berry is a very, very good player. So, you know, hang your hat on that one, friends. Hey, hey, again, when you're a Tennessee fan in this streak, you've got to look to different things to really celebrate, like basketball and like, you know, random second down hits by Eric Berry. (laughs) (laughs) And then... Then in 2010, uh, you know, all the controversy, or not necessarily controversy, but uh, all the rumors about whether or not Urban was really done or not, he gets the win in Knoxville against Derek Dooley. And I thought Tennessee played better than maybe they should have in that game. They kind of overachieved for how bad that team was. Uh, Then we got into the ridiculous with Derek Dooley those years. Uh, 2011, I really thought Tennessee was a better team. And Justin Hunter... Uh, tears his ACL, uh, thanks to that Florida field turf. That was a rough uh, one. 20, 21 rushes for nine yards in that game by Tennessee. Oh. That. Yeah, Tennessee had no running back at that point. Tar and pool. Just awful. Yeah, yeah that, that, was not a, that was not a great performance. You guys actually had more first downs than us in that game. But uh, uh, despite 16 penalties for 150 yards for Florida, they still won. Still won. And then the next year, it swings back to Knoxville, and college game day's in town. And this looks like the biggest uh, coronation for Derek Dooley as head coach. Tennessee's up, and then my, oh, my, that game turned quickly, didn't it? 555 yards for the Gates in that one. Uh, So, really, the Gates were open for the Gators to uh, just run right through them. Uh, 336 yards rushing is there. yeah, that was uh, that was a good one. That was a good one for uh, for the Florida fans. You kind of do. You try and forget the Dooley era. Uh, I don't even know if you can say era. The Dooley minutes. I mean, do you, do you try and forget those, or how does that work? I try to. Uh, I didn't really get to enjoy the Dooley era that much. Well, I partly did, partly didn't, because I usually. Um, well, I had some college football games. I was announcing college football at the time in Division Three with Maryville for a couple of years. And then the last year of Dooley, 2012, I was at Carson Newman at that point. So I only got to go to a few games here and there. And uh, I took all the losses really, really hard. And I just, I liked that 2012, 2011 and 2012 teams. I really liked those teams. It's not good when you're making Will Muschamp look like a good coach. I'll no, that. no. He didn't lose to Tennessee. They lost to let, everybody else. Let that sink in for a touch or two. No, I know. I know. I mean, yeah, you can expect, okay, Urban Meyer not going to beat him. That's one thing. Tennessee still has not defeated Nick Saban. Even Saban's worst team in 2007 blew out Tennessee. Yeah, Nick Saban's pretty good. Well, I, I'll say this. I will I will root for Tennessee against South Carolina this year. I'm, I'm very much anti-Will Muschamp, so... Uh, uh, I will pull for your your vols in that game. Yeah, and then uh, as we get unless co- it affects the SEC standings at that point. Of course, of course. Sure. Yeah, and then with Muschamp, you know, beats Butch Jones in 2013, uh, 2014. I was there for uh, another the first Checker game that uh, Checker Nealon that Tennessee tried. Uh, no offense in that game, and then Trey no. Harris had to save the day. Yeah, Treon coming in for an, an awful Jeff Driscoll. Uh, oh, Jeff Driscoll. Even though he had been good the year, two years before. Right, who, who is, by the way, on an NFL practice squad right now, also. <laughs> just, just great. Just great, Jeff. Glad you did your best work at Louisiana Tech. That's good. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, and then Muschamp all fired up after the win. Uh, 
you know, telling the reporter afterwards who made all these people mm-hmm. shut up. Yeah, that was one of his last great moments as a Gator coach. Yeah, I'm looking at the box score. Uh, you guys outgained us by one yard, 233 to 232 in a real barn burner. Wow. I don't have the stats. How was uh, Worley passing? Uh, 26 to 39 for 205 for Tennessee passing. I'm, I'm looking at the combined box score, so I don't know who threw for what. But uh, oh, okay. again, it was the it was the rushing game that killed Tennessee. Twenty nine rushes for twenty eight yards. Yeah, well, it just it felt like Tennessee really had a chance to step forward in that game, and they eventually got bowl eligible and things like that. But I mean that, and that was a little weird too. That wasn't the first SEC game. Tennessee had already lost a heartbreaker at Georgia that year. Had the Gators already lost coming into that game? Um, I'm trying to remember had we if we'd already lost in that one. I think we might have actually. Yeah, because I mean it was a it was a noon kick. There wasn't much buzz nationally about that game. That's another reason why it looked like Tennessee was going to break the streak. It was like, all right, bad Florida team, so-so Tennessee team. That should be Tennessee's year. All right, I'll say this: we we did lose the week before, but it or two weeks before, I should say. But it was against Alabama in Tuscaloosa, so you know you can't really fault the Gators for that loss too much. Yeah, I can't at all. But we did take three OTs to beat Kentucky in week three. <laughs> I do remember that one. Ugh. Oh boy, yeah. must champ, old champ. So now, so now, Florida fans really don't. I mean, you really look on him poorly. You, you're, you said you're rooting for South Carolina to lose. Yeah, no, uh, I, we feel, and myself, present company included, he set us back. I mean, sure, he can recruit a little bit, like Zook recruited a little bit, but man, oh man, though, what he did to that offense is just. You still feel it, and some of the guys that he brought in, it's like, what are they doing at Florida playing an offense? You just have no idea how some of these guys are there. And then, and then you know, you get McIlwain to bring in some guys right away like uh, Callaway, and you show what a difference bringing in some good offensive players can do for your team. Yeah. Did you ever uh, get to interview Charlie Weiss? Uh, Cheeseburger Charlie? No, I never interviewed him. I never... Uh... I never got the chance to. You remember his quote about uh, cheeseburgers in Florida? No. It was back when he was the coach at Notre Dame, and uh, this was more in a Gator heyday. We we passed Notre Dame in the polls uh, while we had a – I think we had a bye week. We had a bye week, and they played a game. They won, but we still passed them. Uh, and so during his press conference the next week, he was he was upset because some team eating cheeseburgers passed us in the poll. <laughs> and then of course he goes to go and work for florida after that go figure right yeah cheeseburger charlie i'm sure he got his cheeseburgers there as well i'm sure he did in his his long tenure at us <laughs> good long year good long year all right so that takes us to last year's game uh tennessee again off to a good start josh dobbs balls out has really I think one of the best games he's ever had is a Tennessee ball kind of up until the final five minutes of the game. Uh, but the Gators continue to find ways on fourth down. And I just, I just remember sitting at home alone. Oh, 
had to do that for you. Uh, just wanted to make sure you, you remember that one. I mean, I love Nick Hubert, but not there. <laughs> I was uh, I was on the field shooting that game, and uh, and man, what a what a moment that was! Goodness gracious, that place was exploding as that play evolved. It was just wow, what a what a way to to break the hearts of the Tennessee folks in, in that game. And and man, I mean, Tennessee rushed for 254 yards in that game, and then that happens at the end to just erase what had been a really good game for the Vols. Yeah, and then even after that happened, Tennessee is able to get in relatively field goal range. It was missed uh, at the very end, but, I mean, of all the games you've seen uh, at the Swamp, that's got to be up in the top five, I would think. Top five. I'll say top five. The uh, the game against South Carolina where Moss blocked the field goals number one uh, back in 06. Mm-hmm. That was against old Spurdog. That was, that was the big one. That was the, that was the loudest I have ever felt it in that stadium but no this this was absolutely top three I'll put it in top three even and it was just uh man wow what a what a feeling as as that happened and and I actually shot it pretty well so you know I felt pretty good about that yeah professionally it was a good day I even I think you texted me being like I I just can't believe what that happened (laughs) it was like a near apology I'm I yeah I'm I'm almost certain that I texted you at that point yeah Uh, uh, after I had, I think I made the the bold prediction in your press box that that was going to be a W. Yeah, it was another year where I was convinced the streak is over, and I can really <laughs> say that about eleven, twelve, thirteen. I didn't think Tennessee would win fourteen, fifteen. I mean, all these different years, I just really felt like it's over. And uh, I always used to talk about it as well with Chris Peters, who used to be the general manager of the Suns and is a big Florida Gators fan, and. I knew it was a bad sign during the Muschamp years when you or Chris or some other Gator friends I had say, yeah, Tennessee's probably going to win this year. That was always a bad sign. Well, what are they saying this year? I don't know. I, I feel a lot of confidence from the Gators coming into this game. And I know there's been the trash talking from the players, uh, but I, I don't know. I, I still feel like Florida's talented, and I feel like, Year two under Jim McElwain, uh, they're going to be better than they were last year. And obviously, that was good enough to beat Tennessee in that game. But I, I just feel overall, if you take wins and losses out of it, and even some of the results we've seen in games, I still feel like this is a better football team for the Gators this year. Yeah, it's it's interesting because our, our offense this year for the Gators is, well, it's it's – difficult to watch at times and obviously it doesn't help that we're you know throwing out a quarterback in his first ever start for the Gators in this one in Austin Appleby uh I'm curious to see how he does I've heard he has more of a, a running element to his game as well as the ability to throw and and he might have even been the more impressive player in the uh orange and blue debut the spring game back uh earlier this year over Luke Del Rio who uh is out after that cheap shot by yeah, uh, North Texas. Thanks, North Texas. Appreciate that. Uh, it, it, it was. A, uh, I don't want to talk about that. But uh, <laughs> well, and then same goes for Tennessee. Uh, players yeah. are dropping like flies in their last game against Ohio. Cam Sutton, uh, one of the best uh, players in the secondary, I feel like in the entire nation. He's going to be out for this game and out for an extended period of times. So, I mean, both teams could have used a bye week last week. Sure, sure. We uh, we reserve that for the the trip to Jacksonville. It seems every year we do that, the bye week before going to right. uh, Everbank Field. Um, yeah, that's always one of the interesting elements about this game, too, is that 
uh, we play each other so early in the season. Uh, you know, it's it's usually week four. We've we've usually both beaten an inferior opponent or two or three, and, and then this is always that first test, that first thing where you're like, all right, are we actually any good? Because you know anybody's going to beat UMass and North Texas, and this year, well, Kentucky's just awful, right? Uh, and so we we beat them. It's funny if you look at the the box scores and the the line score, you would think that the game against Kentucky was the game against UMass and vice versa, uh, but no, no. That was not the way it went, because <clears throat> Kentucky was just whoa. Uh, uh, that was that was something. I was at that one. That was uh, uh, a lot of B roll. We'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, going against this Tennessee team, obviously you have Dobbs back, and and we saw last year what worked well for Dobbs against the Gators. I I would expect that to happen again, and and that's that's really the matchup. It's going to be uh, the offense for Tennessee with Dobbs against uh, the Gators defense who. Uh, held North Texas to under 60 yards last week. Now, tell me about Florida's defensive line because one of the problem areas for Tennessee so far this year has been offensive line play. They are getting a one-player back chance hall this week who should help make a difference. But uh, looking back at the first three games against Appalachian State, Virginia Tech, and Ohio, the offensive line was really where Tennessee struggled, even going up against teams like no disrespect, but Appalachian State and Ohio. Yeah, for for Florida, I mean, the the biggest strength of its defense comes in, in the back end, the secondary. Uh, and because that secondary is so good, it really allows those pass rushers to get after it because uh, they know they have, you know, some of the best uh, defensive backs in the nation with uh, Tease Tabor. By the way, he's Tease Tabor when he does something good. He's Jalen Tabor when he does something bad. Uh, so re- remember that he's T. So today he's T's Tabor because he's not in trouble for anything. Yeah, well, Tennessee fans know him quite well. As well, they should. Oh, I'll say that. I mean, he. You talk about somebody who needs to delete his Twitter account. That's him. <laughs> he loves Twitter, man. He he is uh, he is unfiltered on Twitter. He's he's also uh, never going to appear in a Florida press conference because they are never going to let him talk. Uh, <laughs> There is no chance they're going to let him step up to a microphone and, and say what he does, uh, which is why he didn't go to SEC Media Days, which is why he held his own SEC Media Day on his Twitter. Yeah, uh, yeah if was, I was him, I would be on Periscope and Facebook Live like every day, like have a daily show. Oh, man. He, he'll, I mean, that'll, that'll pay off for him, obviously, next year when he's playing in the NFL. Uh, so good, good luck to him when he gets on to that next level. But, yeah, so like I was saying, I mean – with that good secondary, it really helps that that front line, and we got waves of guys up there is the thing. So uh, you got the guys like Brantley and Jordan Sherrod and Ivy and Cox, and then you go with Baker County CC Jefferson from here in the mm-hmm. the Jacksonville area, and then the, this past couple of weeks we've had guys popping up who it's like, well, who the heck is that? And then you know they're making a difference. Uh, Jabari Zuniga, Jakai Polite. I mean these are these are freshmen and redshirt freshmen. Who are who are earning their way into these games and and taking advantage of these opportunities? So it, it's just wave upon wave of pass rushers, and and they'll do it. They'll they'll substitute them in and out, and uh, they're going to try and get after Dobbs. That's that's the game plan. Yeah, and that's uh, I mean again, what just worries me about this game. I, I mean, I really kind of see this game going one or two ways. I think it's. I really feel like Tennessee has. More talent in terms of starters, but the depth concerns me. And 
I, I just based on how Tennessee's played to this point, I either expect Tennessee to have an entire game like they really had in the second quarter against Virginia Tech when it was just, you know, scoring points at well, defense making big plays. I, I really either see a Tennessee blowout or a Florida blowout. I do not expect a close game tomorrow. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what it looks like. Just I don't I'm just trying to figure out how we're gonna score for Florida. Uh because I just I just don't know what Appleby can do. And who knows, maybe Appleby comes out, you know, he's he's clicking on all cylinders right away, but his offensive line kind of has some issues as well. One of one of the guards is out for a couple of weeks. Tyler Jordan from actually from uh, Bishop Kenny, who who plays CC Jefferson's alma mater tonight in our game of the week on the Friday Night Blitz. Um, you got a guy like him who's out, and anytime you lose a starter on that offensive line, it it really tests your depth, and you got to go to the next guy. And and once you go past our starting five on that O line, you get to a lot of young guys, uh, and then you start to have some issues. So. Can they hold up long enough against the the D line of Tennessee to give Appleby time to get comfortable uh, and you know try and try and hit Antonio Callaway who should should be good to go. Uh, I know he he missed the last game with the hammy, uh, but you know it was against North Texas, so there really wasn't any pressure right. to get that game. So uh, you know that's that's the that's the key. Get it to Callaway and uh, and see if he can run for you know sixty seven yard touchdowns. Well, at least Appleby has had a pretty good sense of humor about everything. Uh, Tennessee fans started a GoFundMe page for his funeral, and uh, I heard his response that was that he wanted to take the money from that uh, to buy gas for his scooter, which is a very yeah. Florida thing to say. Yeah, I mean, all the all the players have their scooters. There. Oh, it's annoying. I mean, I drove myself when Alabama played Florida last year, uh, driving on campus, watching out for those scooters, especially around the uh, O'Connell Center in the Swamp. That's tough. They're all over. Yeah, they're everywhere. They uh, they really are. But uh, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what Appleby can do. I mean, it's it's weird to have a guy who's a senior. He's a transfer, you know, from Purdue, and it's like, oh, it's his first start. But it's really not. I mean, he's he's played plenty in his days. It's just not in the SEC. I, yeah. I don't. I, I don't get how you get a guy from the Big Ten to transfer into an SEC school, but here we are. And yeah, and Butch Jones tried to recruit him to Cincinnati. Yeah, <laughs> back in the day. And uh, uh, we'll see what he can do. Yeah, we'll see what Butch Jones can do. Uh, I'm nervous about just if you look at the coaching matchup, Jim McElwain against Butch Jones. I think I take McElwain. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I I, I, lo- I love what Butch has done. In terms of, he has fired up the fan base. He has gotten the players there. On National Signing Day, I, I feel like he is legitimately a top five uh, recruiter in college sure. football. But, uh, you know, those were some questionable decisions in the Florida game last year and two years ago. And, I, I mean, we're really at the breaking point. Either Tennessee wins tomorrow and this can be the season that the Vol fans hope it's going to be going to Atlanta um, and possibly, you know, if you win that game, you're in the playoff pretty much. Um, or it's going to be a loss and all of a sudden the freight train of negativity that hit Philip Fulmer in 2008 after he lost the Florida game, hit Derek Dooley for sure in 2012 when he lost the Florida game. I'm worried it could hit. I don't know if it would be this year. I still think Tennessee's got enough talent to where they're not going to have a losing season like those were, but... I really worry about just the state of Tennessee, Tennessee's mindset moving forward if this streak gets to 12 games. 
that's not a fun place to be. I, I worry about the the mind the mindset of your uh, your YouTube fan. Some someone's gonna have to put him on uh, suicide. <laughs> Big ball daddy. If it goes to twelve. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I remember Hicken uh, tweeted out. He was like, "Where's that big ball daddy?" And I was just, I was sad, I was lonely, and I tweeted it, his reaction video, and Hicken retweeted it. I appreciate, oh, we, yeah, I haven't watched that guy in a while, but he he was one of the stars of the Kiffin and the Dooley era. Those that was his heyday. Sure, we we air it every year though, uh, so you know we. We gladly put that on television. Well, for... well, he's a good Baptist, so he doesn't curse, so uh, it is TV safe. It is, it is. It helps quite a bit. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, I'm nervous. Uh, like I told you before we got on, I've got, uh, I'm trying to get tickets. I'm going to be up there for it. Um, but it's going to be tough. Are you able to really watch and enjoy it, or are you just getting ready for the sportscast? Um, I'll watch I'll watch most of the first half of it. Uh, definitely watch the first half the the end of the game, I'm gonna have to have it on my uh, on my my tablet because we we kick off against uh, Rio OKC at seven o'clock. So uh, the Jacksonville Armada. Oh yeah, back in the baseball game. grounds, right? That's right. Pre-game show starts at six thirty, so game's still gonna be going on at that point. I will have divided attention, uh, without a doubt. I'll be I'll be half locked into the soccer, but still. Yeah. Uh, very much tuned into the game and the ending of that one. So you're going to be sitting in my seat when yep. the game is final. The Roger Hoover commemorative press box. I hope that doesn't bring me bad luck. I don't know. Uh, to me, I, you know, as somebody that kind of looks at life negatively at times, and especially when it comes to Tennessee football, it, it's just too fitting that the streak could continue with you sitting uh, in the radio booth at the baseball grounds. I'll paint the final score on the wall so when you get back next season, you'll just walk into it. Uh, I think Ken Babby would have some words for you if he did that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, what's coming up for the Armada? Well, we, uh, we're we finishing out the season it is largely what's happening. we got uh, eight games left this year. Six of them are at home. So, really, uh, lots of opportunities for fans to come out and, and see the team and, and really, you know, Enjoy it. Enjoy enjoy the fact that they're here. Enjoy you know two hours out at the park. Have have a brew or two. Enjoy the atmosphere and and just have some fun. It's uh, we're out of we're out of any sort of race, right? Playoff race or what have you. But uh, uh, really, just just come on down, have a good time, and uh, and yeah, hopefully this team this team's been on the rise here these past two games. They've they've scored a combined uh, five goals, uh, but they've only earned one point out of those five goals in two games. So. Uh, they lost three to two to the team that they play on Saturday, and then they picked up a three three draw in Puerto Rico. So they're starting to find a little bit of that scoring touch, which is really what's been eluding them the the entire year. Uh, so really, this is this is the time when these guys are kind of auditioning for for whether it be their current job or new job. So hopefully they they have that motivation. And and from our conversations with players and coaches. Uh, that seems to be the case. So, just uh, just finishing out the season. It's an interesting thing playing playing soccer during football season, because especially in this part of the country. Yeah, no doubt about it. And of course, you call the games on radio. I had the TV call last night of a women's soccer game between Alabama and Arkansas. Arkansas got the win, and I know for TV there are just long pockets where we don't say anything at all. But uh, on radio, you've got a really unique challenge with soccer. Yeah, it's a, it is a unique challenge. Uh, obviously, you you uh, you have a lot of time to fill uh, because you know whenever that ball's in the middle third of the field, you're kind of you're kind of filling in the conversation. And 
Uh, it's been interesting, actually, because I've been reading a bunch of articles lately about Vin Scully, and, and you know, it's it, it, I can kind of see how I can kind of carry over just some of the uh, the lessons you can learn from you know mm-hmm. the, the best broadcaster that basically ever lived. Right. Uh, you know, you you can learn some of these lessons about just uh, just filling in the gaps, so to speak. And and nobody does it better than Vin Scully, uh, who who knows when to let it breathe and and when to put in his stuff as well. But uh, so uh, you know, we'll we'll see if any of that rubs off on me on, on the the game on Saturday. But I uh, I I'd like to describe my style as a, a very uh, tangent style because I go off on them all the time. I I talk about anything and everything. I talk about college football. I talk about NASCAR. Uh, I think we've talked about curling at some point. You know, I'll just, I'll, whatever, whatever I feel like talking about, we're going to talk about no matter what the sport is, and we'll tie it into the soccer broadcast. Well, that's good. Well, that's good. Well, again, uh, for our fans listening in Jacksonville uh, that are keeping up with the Vols and the Gators, uh, really head to Action Sports Jacks. You guys are going to have some really great reaction tomorrow night. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we we do it every week uh, after the SEC game on CBS at 3.30. We, we fill in the rest all the way up to 8 o'clock. So sometimes that's a 15-minute show. Sometimes it's an hour show, just depending on, on how much Vern wants to talk that day. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, oh. So, uh, uh, you know, we, we do SEC tonight every Saturday night from, from 7 to 8, ideally. Usually it's more like 7.30 to 8 because those are four-hour games. Uh, yeah. But, and then, of course, on Especially Action last Sports week. Action, oh, goodness. Yeah, last I was happy week, with uh, that. Yeah, last week was a long one. <laughs> last week we didn't have a show at all. Uh, and that, that oh, happened wow. sometimes because it went so long. And uh, we, we still have to prepare for one. But we do always have Action Sports Jacks primetime, which is uh, – 10.30 on Fox 30 and 11.30 on CBS 47. And I'll be back in the studio for those tomorrow night to, to break down the, the Gators game, the, the Knowles trying to bounce back, and and everything in between. We'll even throw in some Jaguars talk as they take on the Ravens on Sunday. Yeah, before I let you go, uh, you know, because I am a uh, Jaguars fan ever since I got down to Jacksonville, um, I think this is a pretty big Sunday for the Jaguars, too. Uh, especially. This is a- yeah, After last fair. weekend, I, I timed out my trip back from Tuscaloosa to Jacksonville just in time for kickoff last week. Ooh, Sorry. I should have waited. You should have waited, man. That was a that was a poor decision by the Hoof. Uh, I, I did not have any sort of such decision. I was in San Diego. I was on the field shooting the game, and uh, uh, woof. <laughs> That's about all you could say. Man, that was... I was just—it wasn't a good performance. It was, yeah. It was, uh, it was awful, and and you can look at it as one of two ways. You can, and and they're really divided on it right now. You can, you can be like the guys inside the building who think it's week to week, who think, all right, we had one bad performance, whatever, we'll bounce back. Completely different week, completely different game. That's how they have to view it inside the inside the building, because that's that's the way the business works. If you're a player or a coach, outside the building, uh, your house is on fire. Yeah, <laughs> you you know you're 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 upset, you're angry, you're you thought this was the year, but it's it's only two weeks into the season. I know they're zero and two, and and that second one was just awful. It was it was awful. It was unexcusable. It was, it was just a bad bad game in every single level and uh, coaching, playing, everything. Do you think they're going to do it again this week? Well, that's that's the question. Do they come out and and have nothing for the Ravens in that case? All right, your fears are well founded, and and you know, it's not looking good for for the Gus Bus this year. 
but if they come back and say they beat the Ravens, say they beat the Colts in London, then you're 2-2. Two and two. You've completely forgotten about the San Diego Chargers game and the West Coast woes of the Jaguars. Uh, so, I mean, there's really two ways you can look at it. I, I am an optimist. I've always been an optimist. Heck, I picked, the, I picked the Jaguars to win this week because there's no reason for them to win this week, which means they're going to win this week. Uh, that's kind of how I looked at it. So, uh, you know, it just just depends on your your point of view, how you want to look at it. And, and since I'm an optimist, Jaguars are going to win this week. I like hearing that. And uh, you know, week one, I, I was pretty pleased with that performance. I was not pleased with the sunburns I had sitting in the lower bowl at Everbank Field. That was one of the hottest <laughs> games I've ever been to. You got to get that sunscreen on, man. What I had I had it on, but I didn't have it on before I already started sweating, and then. I also was wearing a black Bortles jersey. That was a stupid decision. Milk was a bad choice. It was. But, um, yeah, best of luck to my Jags. And, uh, you know, so many times I've uh, always needed the Jags to give me a pick-me-up after a Tennessee loss. And that doesn't always happen. Uh, I've had a lot of 0-for-2 weekends. It's just funny that uh, Butch Jones and Gus Bradley, very similar, started the very first year. Uh, 2013 was both their first seasons, and now here they are in year four, really needing some big wins. Well, Gus is 12 and 38, so yes. Butch is yes, doing a little better than that. <laughs> Butch is a little better than 12 and 38 at this point. I, I always bring up the staggering stat. This is my fifth season in Jacksonville, fifth season covering the Jaguars, and I am at 14 wins, Roger. Oh. 14 wins, and this is my fifth year covering an NFL team. It's not they a good 16, average. They play 16 times a year. Yeah, and only so 16. Maybe, <laughs> so maybe it's, maybe, yeah, and only 16. That's right, exactly. So so maybe it's me. I don't know. I also don't want it to be a long flight back from London because that, that's no fun. Uh, we'll be on the team playing this year, so we don't want to, I don't want that, that, that vibe and that mood on the plane ride back. That's a, it's a long way to come back on a loss. No doubt about it. I understand. Well, Stuart, we'll let you get ready for uh, what I know is always a fall weekend. Of all the times you guys work, has got to be the busiest you guys are all season. Oh yeah, without a doubt. This is uh, this is this is what we call pay the mortgage season because Stuart gets overtime. So <laughs> uh, so I'm taking taking care of those bills this this part of the year, the fall season. You know, uh, logging those extra hours and taking care of business. You know, we got the. Uh, the high school football tonight, and then we go college football Saturday, pro football on Sunday, and it's uh, that's what we live for. That's what we want. That's that's the way you want to have it. That's why you live in the southeast, where where football is king, and and you get to enjoy this uh, this time of the year. No doubt. Well, we'll see how the Vols and the Gators, our alma maters, uh, see how they perform on the field tomorrow. And who knows, we may talk again to you next week. But thanks for joining us today. Yeah, no problem. For sure, it'll be on Twitter, whoever wins. Absolutely. See you, Stuart. All right, see you. Fun conversation with Stuart. He does a great job along with everybody at Action Sports Jacks. So fun to talk with him about Florida, Tennessee memories, and we'll just see how it shakes out tomorrow. Uh, I do plan to go. Uh, I'm going to pack an orange shirt and a white shirt just to be ready for whatever checkered kneeling section I may be in, but we'll see how it goes. 
Hopefully it's a good day. Hopefully I'll be in a good mood the next time I record an episode of the podcast. But a big thanks to everyone listening. It should be a fun weekend, so just get out and enjoy it. And if you're at the Tennessee game, give me a holler. I'll certainly be glad to say hello in Neyland Stadium. Until next time, play the waltz, Roy. I remember the night and the Tennessee waltz. Only you know how much I have lost. Yes, I lost my little darling the night they were playing that beautiful game.